This is That Marketing Podcast. Made by marketers for marketers. Welcome to another episode of That Marketing Podcast. Today we're looking at CRM with John Cheney, CEO of Workbook CRM. John is a successful entrepreneur with over 30 years experience in the IT industry. He launched one of the first software-as-a-service companies back in the late 1990s and has since founded two highly successful and even award-winning companies. So, John, thank you very much for joining us on the podcast today. You're welcome. So, I mean, CRM is obviously the butt of um, quite a lot of jokes around marketing and sales. and I think a lot of businesses see it as still as mostly a passive data store rather than an active part of their marketing toolkit. What is it that they're missing? I guess that's right. So historically, marketing automation and CRM have been two different technologies. Uh, And I think that's where that background comes from. Clearly, by connecting both systems together, you get a much richer view of your customer and prospect base. And I think that's probably the biggest thing that most organizations are missing is they're not really leveraging the knowledge that's held in their CRM platform to drive the marketing agenda. So perhaps I'll give you some examples of that. You know, clearly your sales team, if you're using CRM, will be adding contacts, will be adding profile information into the CRM platform. Uh, And if that's not connected or informing your marketing, then you're clearly missing a trick. So you you want to identify senior stakeholders, for example, or people with particular interests or products and services. And that data is typically held in CRM and, and populated by sales. But it isn't just the profiling, it's also things like the, um, transactional history you've had with your clients. So if you know that customers often buy product A with product B, well, that data may well be stored in your CRM platform. So if you can segment your existing customers based on transactional history and use that to to drive your marketing agenda, then you'll get a much better uh, ROI on cross-selling and upselling into your customer base. So there's lots of value by having the the, the two platforms connected and and using the information that is in CRM to, to drive marketing. Do you think the problem of aligning sales and marketing that's been around for as long as both those departments have, is that purely a problem of aligning the technology or is there something deeper that we also need to address? No, I think it's it's definitely both. Uh, I think having technology disconnected makes it much more difficult to align sales and marketing. But really, you know, sales and marketing are part of the same onboarding funnel uh, where you start with potential prospects at the top of your funnel and you end up with an order at the bottom of that funnel and I think what you really need to do is make sure that both the sales and marketing teams are looking at the metrics or optics if you like of that funnel together uh, rather than saying you know it's it sells his sells his jobs to close deals and it's marketing jobs to, to generate new opportunities it's really having a, a clear set of metrics all the way through the process and that's actually very difficult to do if the technology is disconnected because you just don't have a common set of metrics across both systems whereas if you can align both the technology and the processes and the measures all the way through the top and bottom of the funnel uh, then you'll get a much more effective um, way of delivering new business into your into your organization. With that need to, as you say, have a combined or a, a matching set of metrics between sales and marketing, do you think the model where sort of marketing own the top of the funnel and sales own the bottom is broken or is it does it need a few, just need a few sort of little tweaks to make it work better than it currently does? 
So I think there's there's some truth in the fact that marketing does own the top of the funnel and sales own the bottom of the funnel. But I think that the, the real point for me is that both organisations need to have a clear understanding of all the metrics all the way through. So uh, if, for example, marketing generates a thousand leads uh, and those convert into 100 opportunities, but those 100 opportunities only convert into one sale, then we've either got a few problems going on. We've either got the wrong types of opportunities coming into the top of the sales funnel and therefore that's why we've got one in 100 conversion rates or we've got a very poor sales organization that can't sell but you really need to understand the metrics understand what the conversion rates are through the funnel to understand where the problems are you know, conversely you might have a thousand leads that go in the top of the funnel and a conversion rate of only a, a 10 opportunities but if you close five of those uh, then what that's telling you is that your sales execution is great, but the top of the funnel isn't generating the right kind of opportunities. So it, I, I think it's really about having uh, a clear understanding all the way through through the top and the bottom. But I think it is fair to say that you, you'd expect marketing to own the, the top part of the funnel and sales to own the bottom part. But it's really important, I think, to make sure that the feedback from both parts of that funnel is leveraged. So sales can often help marketing teams work out what's going to drive conversion through the top half of the funnel because they're out there talking to customers about the problems and issues that they're facing and if that information isn't being fed back into the marketing teams then we're missing an opportunity to create content at the top of the funnel that's going to drive more sales through the funnel does that answer your question yes i think it does is there a specific playbook in mind for the way that sales can can use especially use crm to to feed those the wins and lot the specific wins and losses and the reasons for them back to the top of the marketing team, or does it still rely on face-to-face um, -face meetings and that style of passing information back? Well, if you're connect if your technology is connected, then it makes it infinitely easier. So, it, yeah, here at Workbooks, we're obviously using our marketing automation platform connected to our CRM platform. So what that means is that we can see people on the website uh, as we begin to profile them. And at a certain score, they flip through into an opportunity and then we can measure what happens after the opportunity is created. So does it result in a sale? Does it result in an order? Does it result in an invoice? But I guess more importantly than that, if it doesn't convert through into a sale and we qualify out of that opportunity, or for example, we lose it to a competitor, which occasionally we do, we can measure that inside the CRM platform and that feeds all the way back into marketing. So we can see if we qualified out of a deal, why did we qualify out of that deal? And, and we use two very specific exit routes through our sales funnel. So we either qualify deals out, what that really means is they weren't quite the right shape for us, or we lose them. Uh, and those two differences are quite important. So qualified out is really important because it allows us to inform marketing on, well, when we first got this opportunity into the business, we kind of thought it was the right shape, but actually once it was further qualified, we can see it's not. So maybe they're in the wrong industry or they're in the wrong geography, for example, or the organization size is not the right shape. Uh, and because our technologies are connected, that automatically flows back into marketing rather than there being the need for lots of lots of lots of face to make meetings to understand the metrics. Now, clearly, meetings are useful to provide some of the stories, but I think having the two technologies joined up allows the metrics to flow backwards and forwards much more effectively. You touched there on um, lead scoring as obviously one of uh, a way of managing all these things. Do you think that lead scoring should primarily or uh, working out a start that again? Do you think that setting your lead scoring program in terms of which pages score highly 
um, should then be more of a sales job than a marketing job? Because it seems to me that it mostly lives within marketing teams at the moment. Uh, I think it's a little of both. Uh, as I said before, I think one of the real values of learning sales and marketing is the sales guys are out dealing with customers, understanding their problems and understanding what interests them in the products or services that you sell. So it would be frankly a little foolish not to leverage that knowledge that exists inside your sales team to work out what content is more compelling and use that to drive some of your engagement scoring. Uh, obviously, marketing have got good visibility on the typical pages that result in conversions because they'll be using their analytics on the website to understand what converts through from a page onto a form, for example. So I, I would say that it, it really is about aligning both those teams together, making sure that the marketing team are getting the feedback from the sales force on what kind of content is interesting clients. So a, a good example in our case would be that if we see prospects coming to our implementation pages, that's quite a common buying indicator that they're beginning to consider how they are um, using the platform and how they're gonna deploy it. So what we did when we implemented our page scoring is in the early part of that process, we spent quite a bit of time looking at what pages were actually being visited by the types of people. Uh, and because we could see from our CRM platform, they were prospects rather than customers. And we could see from our CRM platform, they were in spe some specific industries and were surfacing the page scoring inside CRM. We can join other information up to work out, oh, that's interesting. When we talk to the media and publishing sector, they're particularly interested in understanding how they can implement subscription management for example and we've got those pages on our website and that's a good indication of buying uh, buying behavior so yeah absolutely uh, it's about i think joining up the knowledge between uh, both teams to drive your page scoring does crm become less useful when you're moving on to client management or, or account management as as we call it internally is it mainly a platform for you for managing your relationship with your leads and prospects and, and thus becomes less useful once you've made that sale or that conversion no, absolutely not. And actually, it's one of my pet topics that I think people think about marketing automation being a platform for driving new business. But here at Workbooks, we're strong advocates that marketing automation is a platform for not only driving new business, but also improving customer engagement. And, and we do that all the way across the user journey. So obviously, if you think about a new prospect, then marketing automation is in that instance driving um, new business creation into the business. But once they're on board, then we're using marketing automation all the way through the process. So for example, some of our clients are using the Spotler platform to send out transaction emails. So yeah, thank you for your order. Your goods will be delivered in the next 30, 60, 90 days. Or it could be, um, we've now finished your implementation project. Would you be willing to provide a survey on how well we did? So that kind of customer engagement, I think, um, can only be achieved when your marketing platform is connected to CRM because that's where your customer data is. And as a marketing organization, if you're not using that technology to not only drive new business, but also drive customer satisfaction, scoring, customer engagement, for example, doing net promoter type evaluations with your client, you're really missing an opportunity. Given the importance of the things you can do and the, and the abilities it can add to your um, add to your marketing both as you say both to customers and to to leads and prospects what's the biggest pitfall you see companies doing when they're trying to make make crm work as a marketing tool for them so i think i would start more generally by asking 
or recommending to organizations they take a step back from their CRM and marketing investments and really understand what they're trying to achieve. Um, and we spend a lot of time at Workbooks helping customers with this problem. And I think you, you started this interview by talking about the fact that CRM is sort of notorious for not necessarily delivering value. And I think that stems from the fact that most organizations see CRM and to some degree marketing automation as a technology to be used without really considering what the business outcomes they are looking to achieve from the investments they're making in these areas. In our experience, you can really define the outcomes you're looking for in four main areas. So firstly, it's about revenue growth. And I think that's probably the most obvious one, you know, using your marketing and CRM platforms to help you uh, acquire new customers and upsell and cross-sell to your existing clients. There's only two ways you can drive revenue. You either sell more things to your current customers or you find new customers to sell things to. Uh, and CRM and marketing, you know, is it, that's the obvious use case for that. Uh, but the second one is around improving customer experience. So in a, in a highly competitive world that we all operate in, the way you engage and manage your customers through their journey is increasingly a big differentiator. We've all sat on the end of uh, phone calls with utility companies trying to pay bills, thinking, why am I having to wait 25 minutes to, to give you some money? And I think in the B2B world particularly, the, the level of customer experience you provide is key. Uh, the third area for me is about streamlining business process. So again, we're all trying to be more efficient. So uh, automation, for example, marketing automation, transactional emails, surveys, all those things provide us with methods and techniques to streamline the way we operate as a business and therefore reduce the cost of what we do. Uh, and lastly, it's about having the right metrics. And again, whether it's uh, metrics through your sales and marketing funnel or whether it's metrics around your churn rate or whether it's metrics around your customer satisfaction. So. I'll take a big step back and go, well, what am I actually trying to achieve with my investment? Which of those things are important to me? And we call that the why. Why am I investing in this area? And if you've, if you've identified, for example, that your number one priority is revenue growth, then the next question is, well, how do I do that? How do I, how do I use the technology to drive revenues? Uh, and that might mean that in CRM, I actually do need not only my customer database, but also the data of all the things they bought from me in the past, because I want to drive cross sales, or I want to manage my subscription renewals more effectively and drive more subscription sales. So I, I, I'd recommend rather than getting hung up on the technology, take a step back and work out what your business goals are, why are you looking to invest, then figure out how do, you, how do you deliver those goals. And then lastly, the question is, well, what technology is going to make all that work? Whereas I think historically the technology industry has promoted technology and people buy it based on the features and functions it provides. But actually a much more effective way of doing that is to, is to understand the, the, um, the, the why and the how first. Uh, and what we know at Workbooks is we actually lead customers through that journey before we onboard them. So before we actually ask them to spend any money on CRM, we run workshops with them to understand the why and the how so we can really help, help them add value to the investments that they're making. Are there two or three things that listeners to this podcast can, can take away straight away as immediate action points if they're trying to improve their CRM, if they've, particularly they've, presumably they've already implemented uh, the system, they're trying to refine it rather than, rather than starting at the beginning of the journey where you were just discussing with why you want to achieve. If we have to paint the picture where they're, they've already got these technologies in place and it's an improvement, they've sort of assessed the why and they're now looking for the how tweaks if you like yes 
how exactly. Yeah, so I, I think it is. It's always worth reconsidering the why. Why are we why are we spending money on this stuff to make sure we know what why we're doing it? But the, the how I think is a is a business question. So, you know, how do I think I can drive more revenues? Is that by uh, making sure that the marketing communication that goes out drives people to a form? And that form flows straight into sales, for example, and sales promptly follow it up. Or is it that we need to do a more effective job of profiling our prospects first before we start doing lots of marketing? Uh, and therefore, the type of marketing or type of selling we might do initially is much more around profiling and engagements and less around direct selling. So, for example, we spent a lot of time over the last three months as we've been dealing with COVID. Uh, providing content around how to handle marketing and sales in the crisis and that content's been very engaging we've had very high open and click-through rates on that but what that's allowed us to do is is profile people that we weren't engaged with before we can see what's interesting them what sorts of content they're reading and because all that data is coming straight out of Spotler into our CRM platform we can see which of the people that are engaged match against our hot prospect list uh, and we can begin to engage those more meaningfully and start a sales process with them. So I, I definitely revisit the why and the how, but in simple terms, the things I would focus on is making sure that your CRM platform and marketing automation platform is joined up. And what I mean by that is not that you export lists from CRM and import them into marketing or you export opt-out lists from marketing and bring them back into CRM. It's that the profiling information that you're building in both systems is joined up. So you've got a complete view of your of your world, whether that's allowing you to market based on interest or previous purchase history, whether it's from a sales perspective, having visibility of the digital interactions that your prospects are having with your marketing content. That that joining up of the two platforms for me is key. Because if you don't join the platforms up, it's very difficult to get common optics across sales and marketing and then you end up back in that world where marketing do the top of the funnel and they chuck it over the fence to sales and sales are left to follow it up and there's very little feedback routes so i think you know the number one thing you can do is join up your sales and marketing funnel and join up the technology that underpins that funnel so you've got metrics and measures all the way through that journey and then the other thing I would do on top of joining the technology up is frankly, make sure that your staff are leveraging the tools as effectively as they can be. Um, you know, we'll often go in, for example, swap out our Salesforce deployment to find that the technology is not really the problem. It's the fact that they, they're not using it in the right way. So it, it's making sure that your, your, your teams and your staff have the skills and the training to, to leverage the technology you've already invested in. Uh, so those two things for me would be, would, would be the big takeaways. You know, if, you, if you're keeping the platforms that you've got, make sure they're joined up, but then make sure you've invested the time to, 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 to learn how to use, use the technologies in the right way uh, to really deliver the outcomes that you're looking for. I wanted to follow up on the point you made about stories being the the function of meetings and um, having worked in sort of both sales and marketing myself, I've come across this debate about how much of the sort of um, personal relationship, if you like, sales need to uh, need to have in CRM, the kind of you know, for, for, for a particular deal, do, is it a case of measuring or had this meeting demoed this and if, if if they find that the prospect happens to be an Arsenal supporter and that conversation came up, 
does that kind of information belong in CRM do you think or is it is it more just for that personal salesman it, it just adds to noise in terms of the data that you store yeah so that's a good question um, so I think that depends quite a bit on the business you're in you know if you are a very people-centric business then I think profiling some of that personal demographics is useful um, whether at football clubs, I'm not sure, but yeah, certainly, um, yeah, understanding the interest areas of individuals, I think, is important. And we've got some customers, for example, that their entire business is based on connecting organisations together, uh, and so they are very keen to understand what drives the leaders in those organisations and what kind of interests and hobbies that they've got. Um, but you know, if you're a if you're a a B2B business, then where you can normally add most value, I think, is not in talking about favorite football game it's about understanding how you solve the business pains that your clients are experiencing so you know better understanding the demographics of your customers in the round not just the individuals Let me give you some some real world examples. So you know, we we do a lot of work in the manufacturing sector, for example. That's one of the one of the key verticals for us, and we know there are common demographics across organisations in that sector, whether they're doing um, a particular type of manufacturing or they've got particular types of supply chains. That the the problems they have are often common, uh, and from a marketing perspective, it's much easier to build account-based marketing strategies if you understand the demographics of the organizations that you're working with or looking to prospect to as well as the personas of people inside those organizations you know if you're selling to it directors for example you know, some it directors might be interested in football and some might be interested in rugby but neither of them are i suspect very likely to engage in marketing content in those areas but if you know that that profile of uh, IT director inside a manufacturing firm is grappling with these kind of ERP problems, for example, then you can build marketing campaigns that, that do engage and do inform. So I, I think it is, it is about understanding what are the demographics of both the organizations and the people, the profiles of the personalities inside those organizations that you're looking to work with, a little less, you know, what's the individual person's hobbies or interests. Okay. Um, final one I've got written down. Um, obviously, we're in a, a bit still in a bit of a time of massive upheaval. Um, are there any particular trends in the way that we use CRM that you can see coming and being particularly important in the next 12 to 18 months, especially for B2B users? I think there's a couple. Uh, I think you know, we're already heading towards cloud being the dominant CRM delivery factor anyway, but that's just accelerated, I think. Um, we're also seeing in our customer base, certainly more people roll out more licenses because they're having to work in different ways and CRM provides a useful tool to collaborate on customer engagements together, whereas perhaps if they were in the office before, they might not have been using it quite the same way. So that, that remote working uh, has accelerated cloud and I think will accelerate the adoption of CRM more generally. Um, the other trend I think 
I, I would articulate is that we're seeing a lot more emphasis on customer engagement, uh, certainly in the last few months. Uh, a lot of B2B organizations have seen quite a dramatic slowdown in new business sales. So there's much more emphasis on engaging the customers that they've already got, supporting those customers through the, the current crisis. Uh, and that's required them to work in different ways. So, you know, marketing in some of our customers was very focused on new business and they've had to go a complete 360 in the last couple of months and focus more on engaging the customers they've currently got. And I think that trend will continue actually, because I think you know, we're going to go through an uncertain time for certainly the next 12 months. And all of us are going to want to be closer to the customers we work with and therefore having a, a better feel for the sentiment, the, the issues, what your customers feel about the services you provide are going to be key and improving the way you engage with them. So I, I think you know, cloud, continued acceleration and improved customer engagement would be the big overarching themes. And then we'll continue to see technology improvements and things like AI, for example, improving the way that we um, analyze and track data and, and provide more targeted marketing. Okay, I think that's a good note to wrap it up on. So uh, once again, John, thank you very much for being on the podcast today. No problem. Thanks for having me. Thank you for joining us for another episode of That Marketing Podcast. You clearly have wonderful taste. We hope you found the content useful and, and enjoyed it. We'd love you to subscribe wherever it is you're listening to us. Maybe leave us a review. If you can think of a topic that you, you'd like us to cover, or even if you fancy coming on the podcast and sharing your own experience on a particular topic, uh, you can reach us at marketingteam at spotler.co.uk. Thanks once again and happy marketing. Mm -hmm.